Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, we are continuing on a journey this morning in the series Foundation. Um, we, we have been taking you through our beliefs here at Grace Harvest Church. We don't have many. We have 15. As we've talked through the idea of what it is that we believe, we, we've just come to understand again that it's important that as a people that we would know what we believe so that we can be sure of, of what it is that we're thinking and processing and speaking to and about. And so um, this morning we're continuing on foundation with belief number five. It's the second part. Um, Pastor Doug shared last week, uh, several weeks ago, we shared on the Trinity and that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And that this week we're going we're gonna to bring to completion belief number five, that Jesus came to rescue and restore people. Now, now if, 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 if this was the only belief that you first heard or hung on to or wrapped your mind around, I want to encourage you to lean into the idea that this one right here is the premise and the reason for for which you find yourself here this morning. Jesus came to rescue and restore people. And so that says, we believe that all people are born with a sin nature. We believe that through faith in Christ as Savior and Lord on account of his shed blood, death, and resurrection, people are justified before God and forgiven of their sins. We believe by confession of Christ and repentance from sin, people become new creations in Christ Jesus, are born again by the work, power, and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we believe, just a little review, we believe that all people are born with a sin nature. We are born with original sin within and oriented away from God. We still bear his image, though it is twisted and tainted with sin. Now many of us, as we talk through and think about the idea that we are all born with a sin nature, if we evaluate the state of our life and the people around us and just our growing up and experience in life, you can come to the conclusion that, number one, you don't have to train people to be evil. Right? I mean, so I don't know why you're chuckling. But it's true, right? It's true. Like, like, like you don't have to. It's, it's awareness. It's something that you come to understand. It's even something that you realize if you're ever around young children. Now I know that every parent here is perfect and that every parent here has imparted the most beautiful aspects of what it means to be a human. Sometimes though, I don't see it in your children. But it isn't that, it isn't that you have been bad parents. I just want to take that off you. It isn't that condemnation. I'm not trying to put anything on you. It's the fact that right here as a people that we demonstrate that we are all born with the sin nature. I've often told my kids and others that, you know, it's really interesting. I didn't have to treat you to be, I didn't have to train you to be disobedient. You already are. Like it's within you. Like somewhere along the journey, um, I often marvel at young children. They're exposed to all kinds of things, but I'm, I'm often curious as to what they actually latch on to. 
Is he ever, you ever pick that up with young people, kids? It's like they go along and then they hear something that resounds with their spirit and they get it. You ever say no around an infant and toddler? See how quick they might catch on to that. And how then it's, they instantly know how to use it. You know, not on themselves. Should I do that? No. But the moment you tell them to do something, no. Okay, so, so, so everything in perspective, but also the idea that, that, that it reveals itself in us. Think about this concept. So I'm going to read a text of scripture to you, and I want you to think about who's writing it and the whys and how significant and then how it applies to us, okay? So the Apostle Paul, one of the apostles who had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. He went from Saul to Paul. He went from a, a Christian hunter and murderer to, to a, a radically altered rescuer of people. The grace of, of our, his Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, after walking with Jesus for a while, was writing letters to the churches and setting up churches and in the midst of that he writes this text Romans chapter 7 verse 19 he's going on about the idea of what dwells within him and he, he knows the state and condition of his soul think about this a minute he's a Christian having had an encounter with Jesus and in verse 19 he writes for I do not do the good I want but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Think about the concept that the Apostle Paul has just revealed, wrote out through the power of the Holy Spirit to people thousands of years later. That would be us. He's demonstrating right here the reality that there is something within us that is at war with the kingdom of God, the sin nature. I, I, I do not do what I want to do. I only do what I don't want to do. And when I only do what I don't want to do, it reveals and is driven by sin nature. Think about that statement. Think about who wrote it. The Apostle Paul, who has walked a journey of justification and sanctification and revelation and the Holy Spirit's impartation and even the Holy Spirit's seal of approval to say, go and plant churches all across Asia Minor. Take what it is that the world would have to give you, imprisonment and torture and cruelty, preach the gospel. And even in the midst of that, he's writing to Christians to say, wait a minute, I know who I am, and I'm full of no good thing. Now, now think, think about this in a minute. Jesus came to rescue and restore people. Jesus came to rescue and restore people. That's me. That's you. That there is no person who has committed such a heinous thing that they aren't available for redemption. You gotta wrap your mind, right? 
And there's no good enough person that isn't just a decision away from heinous evil. Come on. Like, like it, it, it resides in the apostle Paul is reminding us that, hey, you are in desperate need of a savior. You can't earn or work your way into the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't work that way. God knew and so he sent his son as the ultimate sacrifice that you would have a way, your way would be paid, freely forgiven. You could be made a son or a daughter. Shame and condemnation ripped off. A new name bestowed on you. Christian, son, daughter, this is fascinating because right here, as we think about this idea that we're all born with the sin nature, some of us have a response going on inside of us. Some of us actually think we're better than others. It's okay. We'll get to that. Some of us here in this room might actually think that you've earned your place or a position because you've done a good thing and you've done enough of the good thing. I'm not here to take an ax to the root of a good thing. No, no, no. And I'm here to encourage you about doing, to continue doing the thing that you know to do is right. Right? James encourages us to do that. Do that thing. But, but when we begin to get into a mindset that would tell us that if I do all these good things perfectly, I've arrived. And that is certainly not the case because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that if you've had a revelation of the gospel that you, you begin to do all the, these things good because of your relationship with the one who made you and of his love and impartation to you. It's that response. I love you. I want to honor you. Now, now I know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this in the short time I had this morning. I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about, wow, God. Now, now always when, when you get to preach a message and think through this thing, you have to like hold a mirror to yourself, right? Because what you're about to say, and this is one of those areas, it's like, oh, Lord, please forgive me. <laughs> but, but you know, you know, like this is one of those things. The Apostle, says, I, Apostle Paul says, I don't do the things I want to do. Why would he even surmise that, that this tension rises within him and he's aware of this? Is it because that it does flare up from time to time and he has to deal with it? Now, now think about our lives. We've had an encounter with Jesus. My name is Raul. Everything that's built into that corrupted and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is sanctifying the person. He's justified, I've been forgiven, but there are still corruptible things that still need to be dealt with. And along the way and along the journey, and this is us, insert your name over that figurine. And think about the moments when things begin to rise up inside of you that you know were not birthed from God. Think about the words you wanted to say or the, the feelings that crept up when you saw that picture. They have what? Oh, jealousy, envy, wrath, or you know, comparison. Oh, I know their life is not like that. Just think about this, right? Like this time we live, right? 
Like all those things, or just think about that last interaction that you had with the loved one that, you know, that didn't go so well. And where did all that come from that was inside of you? Unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy and anger and uh-oh, uh-oh. Wow, what about this idea that Here's the thing. Timothy Keller says, here's the gospel. You're more sinful than you ever dared believe, and you're more loved than you've ever dared hope. Isn't that an interesting juxtaposition? Whoa. Right here. Which way am I going to go? Am I going to dare to believe that I'm loved so much that the Lord already knew my life and position and my decisions that I would fall into his grace and mercy? Or am I going to walk this to believe that, man, I'm so sinful that I am too far gone to be forgiven? And I would, and I would, I would submit to you that, that, that the mindset of somebody who has encountered grace is that you would fall into the grace of God, that you would allow yourself when you've, when you've noticed that you have missed the mark and you have, you have transgressed the law of God or you have not done what, what the Lord has laid out for your good. That you would recognize that. And before shame and condemnation hits you and holds you and hugs you and warps you, man, you crawl to the grace of God. You say, Lord, I know what I've done, but, but I have to rest in you. And your word says, desperate times call for desperate measures. I've actually found myself at times when I know I've blown it or, or when I've done something in a relationship, maybe I said something or left, a, left a, an off-putting presence or maybe I didn't do what I was supposed to do and I just like think, Lord, man, I blew it. <sighs> I don't know if I can ever be around them again. They won't even smile at me. I don't know. I just have to remember Lord, you don't hold it against me. And so your word says, and I remind him, maybe because I'm reminding myself, your word says, I am forgiven and you don't hold it against me. And I'm loving you and to the thousandth generation, you're gonna bless my offspring. That's what I want. Come on. Like you have to initiate, you have to stand in that place. You have to believe the idea that Jesus came to rescue and restore people, not by your own merit. And that's, that's the thing. It's like you didn't do it to earn it because you couldn't. God paid the way. It's free, free to you. All you have to do is accept it. And so he sent his son. He sent his son to pay the price, to be the ultimate sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. And it's to give life and to heal people. Heal them from the disease of sin. Heal them from all of their affirmity and sickness. And we have to stand there and believe that, that God, you are a God that does infinitely more than everything we can ever ask or imagine. You are a God who does the miraculous. You can save people, which you say is the greatest miracle, and you can touch people's lives. You can restore people. You can renew. You all sitting in here are trophies of grace. I hope you see that about yourself. 
trophies of grief. You're on a journey, one, one, one place or another that God is redeeming and restoring. Maybe you can look at yourself and think, oh, I got a long ways to go. Praise the Lord. At least you can say that. Amen? Amen. Okay, I want to uh, read a story to you. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, Jesus said he also... He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. I want to stop there a minute. Isn't it interesting that 2,000 years later, we as people still can land in that camp? I'm not saying that everyone here is or, or does, but Jesus recognized one of the disciples talking with Jesus observed that Jesus told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves and they were righteous and they looked down on everyone else. How does that play out today? How does it play out today? That we would find ourselves in the good Christian camp and we would look around at people's lives and think, Jesus, knowing the heart of people, said, and this is a story that he, that he said. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Beware of trusting in yourself and looking down on others. Remember the good news of, the, of God's kingdom is that you can never be good enough for God or heaven on your own. People are not in heaven because they are good. Beware of trying to convince God of how good you are. Unless you can convince God of your absolute perfection, lay down your need to justify yourself before God. Think about this. I talk with people all the time. We on the staff talk with people all the time. And, and a topic that can come up is, is just about the feeling like they, sometimes you can never do good enough. And so when you miss it, maybe, you know, you miss a day reading the Bible, you just, maybe you make a, a poor decision and, and you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to you to do something different or, or just, you have these metrics by which you, you call yourself a good Christian. And then we get into these conversations and I'm just like immediately like, okay, all right, uh-huh. Can I just do something really quick? Can I just take this off of you? Don't you think God knew that maybe you wouldn't read the Bible yesterday? Don't you think God knew that maybe you wouldn't listen to him but he spoke to you anyways and just remove this share and just like, let's remove that and now who are you? You are a son and a daughter of God. Let me, another word, you're, you're his beloved. Beloved. Like you're his beloved, he knew. And in spite of everything else, you are still his. 
let's just, let's just speak life and mercy and grace over you. Right here in this moment, you don't earn it. He lavishes his love on whom he would. That we would, that we would see our own sin and our appeal, an appeal to God's mercy to begin the journey of being right with God. You know, I love the story that Jesus just shared that we read about the one who saw his works as being the way and he was good and then the other one who was humble couldn't even look to the heavens, acknowledged the weightiness of his sin before God. You know, there's something about being able to say, like the Apostle Paul said, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't even be here right now. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't even be standing here right now. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't even be sitting where you're sitting right now. And some of you have a story of the goodness of God that has rescued, redeemed, pulled you, endured, pushed through, tore down, jumped over, and caught you. That's your story. That's the grace of God pushing to you. That's his love overcoming and drawing. Jesus said the greatest miracle is that the heart of man would turn. Think about that. Like God rescues and restores and redeems people. You see, I know that we talk about these things and if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is like, man... Why are you feeding us milk again? This is like, man, I know the salvation story. Well, I'm here to tell you that you need to be reminded of it regularly so that we don't become rigid and difficult. And when we don't find ourselves in the place of being reminded of our own logs in our eyes, right? We begin to think that we've arrived to a certain place and we can make judgments about certain things that are final, and the truth is they are not. That Jesus is always on the move, and he's always working his, his way, and that he will have final say in people's lives, that we must be a people who always hold out hope. That we must be a people who are always filled with faith. That we must be a people who are regular dispensers of the grace of God because we have been recipients of the goodness of the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Jesus came to rescue and restore people. That we would be a church that's marked by that ideal, that we would be a church that is, is rooted in that, that we would be, a, I, I gotta tell you, as a people, and as a pastoral staff, we have been in the camp of people who have seemed like their lives are too far gone. People have, have come to us and have said, why do you still, what, what are you doing with those people? Well, why are you, and I'm telling you, it's because Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And you won't find us never rooting for, oh, they're gone. In fact, we, in our staff meetings, we reminded again that, you know what? Sometimes helping when it seems like you shouldn't be helping or sometimes stepping out even when it seems odd or sometimes doing the thing. We never know what God is out to do, amen? And we want people to encounter 
the love and grace of God. Amen? 